What is happening? That's for Kirk Cousins. Are you? Are, if you're gonna dance, dance. There you go. This little like thing you're doing over here. About freaking time that we uh hire a DJ and he actually puts music in things. Good job, Dustin. That a boy. Yeah, finally, DJ Dmac providing <laughs> us some some tunage. This is your video cast for Thursday, March fourth. And Derek, you know how. I always love to discuss time and how I view time, and I, I'm just so into the study of time. I was making my notes for this week's show, and my opening line, Thursday, March 4th, that hit me, March 4th, which means we are now basically one year into this pandemic. In fact, I looked back, it was March 13th, 2020, and this was the screen grab from our video cast that day, almost one year ago. Uh, DMAC, throw that up there. Look at that mug. Yeah, great, great look. I'm glad this is where Todd chose to pull this freeze frame from. Video cast, coronavirus status, March 13th. You see it here. Leave that up there for a second, Dustin. It's even funny to me, the title of the video, Coronavirus Status, which showed not only did we not realize how long this was going to last, you know, I'm thinking a couple of months, but it was like we didn't know what to call it or how to handle it at the beginning. And here we are one year later. And while I think I can say we have a much clearer picture of the world now and where we're headed with this pandemic, it's still very much in the world news 12 months later, which I have no problem admitting, Derek, I was dead wrong about. Uh, I think I th said by July, this will all be cleared up by July. We'll be able to have the Prairie Dirt Classic. Uh, and that was not the case. As always, I've got Derek Kessinger hosting with me this week and Dustin McCarty in the director's seat. Boys, I wanted to have a quick COVID racing conversation now that we are 12 months into this. So think back. Put your thinking cap on, Derek. Do you have a thinking cap? Put a thinking cap on. In. And I want you to recall your most sort of vivid COVID racing-related memory. I know we've talked a ton about the first night. That's not really what I'm looking for here. Just kind of a memory from the last 12 months where you were thinking, oh, uh, this is COVID-y or whatever, however you'd say it, Derek. You go first. First and foremost, is this like the slowest, fastest year ever? Yeah, I agree. It's been time, right? Time is yeah. a flat circle. It's weird. Oh, I was thinking about this. It has to be July 4th weekend for me. I'm at Cedar Lake, World of Outlaw Sprints and Late Models. You get up there, it's kind of like, okay, more and more people from Memorial Day are like kind of hanging out with more friends, maybe like 10 people. You go up there, no social distancing, <laughs> unlimited crowd capacity. It was something I haven't seen since Speed Weeks. I, thought like, I felt like I was in a new world because we're from Illinois. We had tight restrictions. Kind of early-ish in the pandemic, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, but they had COVID checkpoints again, and they yep. had like these little scanner things. If you didn't pass that, you had to take a COVID test. And I'm thinking to myself, is this how the whole year is going to be? Like, we're going to have to do all these COVID tests. Uh, we're going to do, like, antibodies and just see if people can come into the races. It was well done. But obviously, once summer hit, no one cared at all. Crowds were massive. But that was kind of my first COVID experience. You're like, man, people just maybe don't care about this as much, which... I mean, you're outside, it's summertime, July 4th weekend, but I'll always remember that one with an unlimited crowd, Bananaville up there in Cedar Lake. It was a good Bana weekend. Bananaville. I'll go next. We'll let McCarty go last. It, for me, you know, it, obviously Eldora had two races with no fans. I don't think people truly appreciate how few people were at Eldora. There was f less than 400 human beings on the ground of Eldora. I have been in Eldora bathroom, Derek, with what felt like 400 human beings before. <laughs> 
uh, and nobody, you know, there was only one state trooper out there. Nobody was really regulating, you know, who could or coming into the parking lot. I thought more people might come. These were the two biggest dirt late model races of the year, in essence, and no human beings outside of Doris 400 were at them. It was eerie. I think there was one point Jonathan Bateman and I from Eldora had a golf cart and we were riding around and we just parked up at the top of turn one and we sat there for a minute and we just looked around this place an hour before hot laps, a place that's meant so much to us meant so much to us with no human beings there I will never I just will never forget that and the other one for me was December you know no PRI or no gateway this year obviously we hated not having gateway we talked about it before PRI yeah I think I could not have PRI and be just fine that was the other thing I that mean, I, yeah, I sort of I love gateway too but year. we needed the time crazy. this year right yeah Dimac, what about you just some general 12 months in things that you thought about I'd say like Eldora for me was like the first one, obviously, just because we did all those kind of uh, late model night in America races early. Um, But then like actually going out to do an actual event and uh, being there for the first time with like, first time I ever went there, I came over that hill and there's, I mean, 20,000 campers out in the campground. So it was just like a bizarre scene. And then driving back out there (laughs) and, uh, coming over that hill and seeing nothing and like we're the only thing within sight was kind of crazy to me. And then uh, obviously losing like the Prairie Dirt Classic around here. Boo! Yeah, that stunk. We're but, having uh, it this year, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to like Fairbury for the first time um, and doing that spring national race or spring fling race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a big crowd really, that June night. June 17th yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a good race. So that wasn't too far after that first um, race at Eldora, but I think those were the two like and kind of peaking moments. You mentioned the PDC. Who could forget the ill-fated Kokomo weekend, right? Where the weather just, the weather didn't cooperate. <laughs> then the weather didn't cooperate again. And then the weather didn't cooperate again. And I just look at Matt Curl and that's like, we're never doing this again. If we don't have Fairbury, we are not running Fairbury again. Yeah, just, yeah, Kovac. Making sure McKay Winger and company were in line too during the. It seemed like it rained nonstop besides Friday during those heat races and prelims is the only time, but they barely got that done in the rain from Friday all the way until Sunday morning. Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy quite the weekend there trying to replace the Prairie Dirt Classic, but yeah, I think Matt realized like you said ah maybe we'll just have like a local Fairbury race yeah. that weekend. Twelve, so we're twelve months in now in essence. I think. You know, if you if you pay attention to the vaccination stuff, it looks like May, May, June, call it June 1st to be safe, June 15th even, that the world's going to be quote-unquote back to normal. And I think, Derek, from, from what I'm hearing, there is no sh- – I mean, California's California, right? We're never going to be able to change California as far as what their restrictions are, I don't think, uh, during this pandemic. I think everybody else is a go, right? Fairbury here locally, Illinois, Pennsylvania, all these states, I don't think there's going to be any restriction once we get into the heat of the season. Well, uh, we had a race meeting for the Fairbury – Speedway two weeks ago, and yeah. Matt Curl was talking to the local health department, and they're saying, you know what, we're giving you the thumbs up. The way this is going by May or June, looks like we can be back to normal. That's just huge news for the Prairie Dirt Classic. Obviously, last year throughout the entire country, besides Eldora, Knoxville, and Fairbury, every one of those tracks had their crown jewel. So it'll be all systems for a go for all those well, tracks. Well, we hope at Eldora, right? We don't know specifically yet. It's a little tighter in Ohio still for an event that could have 20,000 people. So I don't think the Eldora story is completely written, but I think I think everybody else is good. This weekend, meanwhile, we could talk pandemic forever. The National Touring Series returned to action 
Overall, though, it's a pretty light schedule this weekend. Our master schedule only has three or four events on it, which is really rare. Uh, throw that uh, full screen up there, DMAC. Of course, the Outlaws are back at Smoky Mountain. Casey Schumann and his bunch, 12,000 wins Saturday night. Derek, I think 50 cars maybe? And like the best Lucas guys, the best Outlaw guys. It's going to be a hell of an Outlaw show on Dirt Vision this weekend. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be one of those weekends when you look at the driver's roster and say, why the hell is that guy there? <laughs> right, right. Because it's March, these North... Northern drivers haven't raced yet. You might get one of those guys come down and say, we're going to come race. But, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. Lucas Oil's off. In the last two or three years, looking back at the you know the rosters and entries, it's quite the stout fields. You're going to have Brandon Overton. You're going to have Jimmy Owens. You're going to have Brandon Shepard, obviously. It's going to be a star-studded field. And, you know, we were supposed to have Duck River Friday, the day before that. Duck River canceled. Just too much, all that rain and ice and everything that went through there. They decided to cancel. So it's a standalone outlaw show. Also on Saturday, you've got Springfield for 3000 to win. We're efforting highlights of that. I'm not sure yet. I know our racing dirt boys are going to be down south in Texas. Cherokee, Derek, basically what was Duck, <coughs> excuse me, what was Duck River and Smoky Mountain uh, is a two-part weekend. It's now basically Smoky Mountain and Cherokee. Cherokee is the Southern All-Stars race, but I think a lot of guys are going to do Smoky and Cherokee. And then the season opener at Port Royal, which we will have live on Flow Racing for 3,000 win. When you look at this list, Suave, what jumps out to you? What are you thinking? What are you, what are you materializing? I mean, Port here? Royal, year in and year out, they just keep improving the facility. And this year, they made the announcement every weekly race is paying $3,000 for late models. Fairbury set the tone a couple years ago with 2500 to win. Yep. But Port Royal is saying, you know what? We're going to make it $3,000 a win for the late models. And I think it's four to 5000 to win. Four each. for the sprint cars. Four for the sprint cars. Yeah. So that place just keeps growing. Kovac's been going there for a long time, and he's always – saying how much this place has improved with like the new wall, the new pit area. And you'll have, you yeah, know, I'm guessing Eckert, Satterley, Ziegler. those Ziegler, those guys. It's a, those PA cars alone in those upper mid-Atlantic guys covert, they make a hell of a show. Well, That'll be a nice race. Ziggy and me were talking about it at the Eldora in September. He's saying, hey, they're making this announcement, $3,000 win weekly at Port Royal. I love the track. It's close. We're going to stay around home during the weekends and race there. So maybe you're going to see some of those PA guys stay around home instead of traveling more and more like they used to. I think that could happen. Derek, have you ever been to Cherokee? You've never been to Cherokee. I've never right? been to Cherokee or Port Royal or Smoky. The only track I've been to was Springfield Raceway. Of Last year, Frank Kekin S. Jr. Yeah. won. And the first time, me and Todd drove five hours to watch it rain out, but it was great memories with the Todd father. So that's a, a solid weekend schedule. We will have highlights from Smokey, from Cherokee, and from Port Royal. Of course, that's live on Flow Racing as well. We're working on Springfield highlights. Like I said, our boys at Racing Dirt, they got a hell of a USMTS schedule uh, they're about to cover. You guys might have noticed last week on the video cast, by the way, we are going to have Roger Sellers from Smoky Mountain on here shortly. As we, I've always wanted to talk to Roger and interview him, uh, so we're going to preview that Outlaws race shortly. You might have noticed last week, on the video cast, I mixed up the format a little bit, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I tossed you guys some curveballs from now and then to keep things fresh. I want to start out with Derek and I this week going head-to-head, one-on-one, a good old-fashioned debate-style show, if you will. We're going to split-screen it. We're going to throw out three topics. Derek and I are going to roll with those three topics, and DMAC will judge after every one who won the debate for this particular topic? What, what was that? Do we have a phone ring in here? Was that your watch? You know, you know. What? That's why he's a DJ. He's not on air talent yet. Can you imagine that the guy just brings a phone? Or I'm, I'm really kind of getting into this debate thing, and DMAC just lets the watch go off. I work? am full-blown new to this watch, so I have 
no clue how to change settings. You know, it could go here. off again. <laughs> it could be in the middle of a... He's a popular guy. <laughs> Very serious. I need to collect myself. Well, oh, God. You know, you try to get good help, Derek. Anyway, we're mixing it up again this week. We're not starting off with a guest. We're starting off, me and Derek, going head-to-head, three topics. I'm obviously going to win this debate. Well, so if, if McCarty, you, remember that bag I spent to your Cut his mic off. Cut his mic off. Cut his mic off. So if you're, if you're scoring at home, you know that I won... You know, I know that I won, but kind of cheer Derek on on Twitter and stuff. Good <laughs> points. job, Great job. Okay. Now that we're back with everybody else. Are Derek, are you ready for the debate? I'm so ready for the debate. Okay. I'm Stephen A. You're Skip. Oh, great. I got to be Skip. Okay. We start with topic number one, and topic number one is start times. It is no secret in the 14 years of this website. I love the split screen, too. I can look at it. Point at me, Derek. I'll point at you. You point at me. There we go. I love that. It's like Michelangelo here. It's no secret in the 14 years of this website, I rant and rave about getting shows done faster. We need shows that are over at an earlier hour. And without question in my brain, we as a sport would grow faster if we got done earlier. One thing Derek and I debate all time about this, though, is the start time. I feel the night often goes off the rails and gets off pace when it comes to the start times. But Derek and I have a little bit of a different disagreement about what actually start times me. To me, when hot laps begin, when that first car pulls out for hot laps, that's the start time. That is when the show starts. Derek thinks it's the advertised start time. So if they say racing begins at seven, Derek thinks that's the start time. Why does this matter? Well, I always say, oh man, that show was five hours tonight. Derek will go, no, 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 no dad, no, no. That show was three hours tonight. I'm basing it off hot laps. He's basing it off the start time. So let's debate that now. When does the night actually start? Suave, I am a very gracious man, as you know, very humble, you know, just the most humble. I think everyone totally agree. Uh, I will let you go first, all right, Suave? Start time debate. You think it's when the racing start time starts. You go first. Okay. When a race promotes that the start time is 7 p.m., we'll just use 7 p.m. today. I like to use this analogy of baseball, so you've heard it before, but my people at home, my fans, have not heard this spiel before. My fans. So the Cubs promote their game at 7 p.m. start time. ESPN, that's when they're starting. Yes. Anything before that is considered batting practice. If you want to go to the stadium 90 minutes early, stadium, a.k.a. the racetrack, that's your own choice. You know when the racing's going to start. It'll be 7 p.m. That's the same choice Hey, you're more than welcome to go watch Hot Lap and qualifying. That's the same choice as a 12-year-old kid and their dad going into Wrigley early, checking out batting practice, Mm -hmm. maybe catch a baseball, Mm -hmm. check out the scenery, or you could be like me and my buddies, tailgate, have a good time. You know the racing's starting at 7, or you're at the baseball game at Murphy's Bleachers, you know the game's starting at 7, and then right at 6.30, Uh 6.45, that's when you say, boys, Rally up, we're headed to the racetrack. Of course, this only matters if the start time actually starts at 7 p.m. <laughs> because in baseball, basketball, or football, always here, does. listen, promoters, they don't change the time. They don't delay start it unless it's actually weather-related. They don't say we're starting at 7 and they start at 7.30. Mm-hmm. So this only matters, Rigsby, if the start time of the race is at 7 p.m. and they start then. Other than that, anything before that's considered batting practice. But then you have guys like you, guys like Todd. Well, we have to be there. Well, you know what? So do the people that have to go to the Chicago Cubs game. They have to be there 90 minutes early checking things out in scenery. So that's why I say 
you count when the start time actually happens if they hit that window. If. That's a big if sometimes. Listen, good points. I think that's a very good point. You've used it often on me, and now I will show you why it's completely wrong. Okay. But those are some those are some solid points. Here's number I broadcast thousands of races in my career, right? Okay. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've done customer support, emails, everything. I've been part of more broadcast than you can count. People lose their damn minds if we do not broadcast hot laps. I have seen it and heard it over and over. Old ladies flipping tables over. People losing their shit. If we don't have hot laps on, people go absolutely nuts. Never once in your life have you thought, I'm going to kill ESPN batting practices and on right now. I'm going to kill them. It, those are not apples to apples. Let me finish. I see you want to talk already. I see you want to talk. Nothing during a basketball game or a football game, in essence, nothing is going to happen during a warm-up session that really affects the night. However, in racing, a guy can blow a motor or have some major mechanical problem, and that is part of the night. It matters. If Jonathan Davenport goes out there and blows a motor, you just show up at 7. Where's Jonathan Davenport at? Oh, uh, we can't really say. We don't really talk about what happened. It, it matters. That really, making a counterpoint all you want over there, it, the things that happen in practice for late model racing matter way more than basketball or football game. You mentioned these promoters, right? Starting at 7 p.m. God love you. Promoters, I love you. You know I love you. You know we can't trust promoters to start on time. 7 o'clock is 7.12, is 7.17, is 7.32, is 7.34. Rick Schwally is about the only one in the country that can crack the whip and get these guys to start on time. If you're asking a dirt track for me to trust them, I, I can't do it. We the, can only trust East Bay. The bottom line is when motors start and the cars hit the track, the timer on the night begins for all of the reasons that I have just discussed. I the, mean, you... Oh, we're doing counterpoint? No, no, no. Your, I'm just saying... Guys get hurt. Guys get sore during batting practice. They might have to, you know oh, what? How many times in your life have you heard That's, a guy get sore during batting practice? It's happened. Some guys get hurt, uh, get right. sore. All right, McCarty, we go to you now. Who is the winner of the first debate on start times? I got to get one here, McCarty. Come on. <laughs> so I see both points. Like what Derek just said, like people could get hurt, injured, oh, whatever. Which never happens, which is but, literally never happened. But <laughs> <laughs> I do agree with Rigsby because once, once that green flag drops, Let's get the show rolling. Show rolling. What to know, Michael Rigsby. That Woo. is con. <laughs> you make good points, though. Your points are very solid. I will, I will give you that. Bullshit. Let me shake off this win. I can't, I can't let this first win affect me. I'm one <coughs> McCarty, you have to let me do this one. Okay. Okay, okay. we can't him okay. go up 2 nothing. Topic number two. Topic number two, B-mains. I have made no secret, while I understand that B-mains have a place, and drivers give me shit about this all the time, I would love for us to somehow figure out a way to eliminate B-mains. There, I said it. I can't help it. Every time a B-main comes on the track, I don't have a feeling of, awesome, more racing. I have a feeling of, uh, how long is this going to take? Can, can, we, can we just get to the feature already? Is this thing about over, the B-main? Derek, on the other hand, feels as though B-mains are absolutely necessary. Derek, after I absolutely crushed you in the first one, I am going to go first in this one. Okay. Point number one, listen, I get it, right? You have a horrible joke. A, a, guy, a guy, quiet. A guy pays to race. He wants to compete as much as he can, right? He wants to get in as many laps as he can. That's the competitor side. There are also fans out there who just want more, more, more. They'd watch 100 races a night, not even bad an eye. But somehow, B-mains, these guys were presumably bad in qualifying. 
They were presumably bad in the heat races. And now these guys are getting more laps than anyone has gotten all night because there's likely more cars in a B main at a point in the night when the show has kind of started to hit that we're dragging a little period of the night. And people are getting a little itchy to see the main event. No poster in the country says, come watch B mains. It says 10,000 to win March 5th. That's the headliner, the feature, right? So nobody, the, 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 the poster does not say, come watch, come watch the B-Main guys. No one cares about this. So what is my solution, right? I can't just bitch and not have a solution. First, let me say this. My first goal is to get everyone to hate B-Mains like I do. That's goal number one. That's that the is solution. a big, lofty goal. Fill, fill your heart with hate <laughs> like I have. That's goal number one. But the other solution is this. Just transfer more from the heats. Instead of transferring three, transfer four or five. If it's transferring four, transfer six or seven or five or whatever it is. Then when the heats are over, it's go time. It's no more screwing around. We have to sit through these slog races. Also, how often does anybody even come from a B main anymore and win a race? Oh, you think you've got a statistic for this yeah. is what my guess is. Those are my points. We don't need B mains. Derek, go. You done? Yeah, I'm done. All right. Like you said, guys pay money to enter the yes. event. If he's just getting started and not very good, when does he have the chance to get better? Also, if we get rid of these races, you will lose the mediocre and beginner drivers. We don't need that in our sport, Rigsby. We do not need that. Mm -hmm. And you mean to tell me the World 100, when you have 110 cars, we're not going to have B-mains? What are you smoking, I Rigsby? Can, I can make an exception for Eldora, right, or something like that. Okay, this weekend, Smoky Mountain, $12,000 a win. Let's say a driver like Jimmy Owens has electrical issues during qualifying, He's during the heat race, and can't make it out for his qualifying segment or his heat race. No B-Main. All these fans in Tennessee want to come see Jimmy Owens. What is he want? He's this done isn't for the, the Jimmy Owens Invitational. I'm just There's saying, no guarantee Jimmy Owens gets in the show. He might not make it. in to see their driver race. So if they have a bad – B-Mains also give the chance for guys like that who've struggled, had bad luck, a chance to redeem themselves and make into the A-Main. And what about shows with no qualifying, Rigsby? Your favorite event, I-80, the Silver Dollar Nationals? What if this first round of heat races are just horrible? Say there's no passing, nothing. What do we do with those guys then? Are you done? I'm done right now. McCarty, <laughs> come on, let's go, <laughs> baby. Those are good points. I'm not saying they're not. I don't have the perfect solution other than Also, your, your goal of people hating B-Mains might be... The hardest goal in the history of mankind. My, my biggest solution is fill your heart with hate, and I don't think I'm yeah. going to be able to do that. McCarty, point two. I would lean, actually, to Derek's point, because racing is a matter of, like, oh, shit. fractions. Sorry, I, had a, I had a thing. And so many little things can happen between getting, at, getting to the track and then getting on the track. You could have someone forget to bolt down a lug nut or something of that matter, and your whole night could be ruined. Mm -hmm. So you need the opportunity to make yourself or give yourself the opportunity to make your way in through a B main. All right. How about a compromise? But I, so I do, I do think like sometimes B mains, they, or they need to like put like else. a C main. Don't even get me started on a C well, yeah, main. C main. What? None of that. But like make a two flat or two yellows and then keep the show moving along. Okay, so Derek, Derek wins, point two. Can we at least compromise? They don't, if the heat races are 10 laps, the B-mains, can we just have them the same length at least? I'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. You don't need to, you've been bad all night. You don't get all these extra laps. God. I'm sorry. Was it the Jimmy Owens argument? Thanks, McCarty. Okay, that was awesome. <laughs> That's the worst of the points he made, in my opinion. Okay, it's tied. We're tied, 1-1. One, one. Here we go. Topic number three, 
Four wide parade laps. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. I think they should be reserved only, and I'm going first. Oh, no, wait. Should I let you go first or not? Okay, let, 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 let me gather my thoughts. I'm a little rattled well, after okay, losing that the argument one. is, four wides or not, we're not saying just for crown jewels. That's the Let argument. me finish my point here, okay? I think they should be reserved for crown jewels only. Not even a regular Lucas Oil or World of Outlaw show should get them, in my opinion. I will also, by the way, determine, I will be the determiner on what a crown jewel is. I officially have been given the title of crown jewel determiner, okay? That's a separate argument. Derek, on the other hand, likes four wides. Says the more the merrier. And then I'm an old curmudgeon who has completely lost touch with reality. Boomer. I went first time. Final topic, Derek, you go first. Rigsby, picture yourself as a 12-year-old kid at the Fairbury Summer Nationals. <laughs> you have Purvis, Boggs, Bloomquist, and Moyer coming out of turn number two, and, with the four, and they're leading the four wide. How great of a spectacle is Get that? Get to the feature. And it is something you will never forget. Get to the feature. Also, I always hear people say, we need new fans to come to the races. Imagine a newcomer. He comes to the dirt track for the first time, sees this four wide, and becomes hooked. In dirt track racing, we'll take anything that will help attract new fans. Also, the four wide takes two minutes. If we want to fix time restraints in our sports, we have a million other different scenarios we need to clean up first. And also... Start times. <laughs> also, also, some people can't get out and travel, and maybe their Super Bowl that year is a Lucas Oil race at, we'll say, Smoky Mountain. We'll just use Smoky Mountain as an example. And their family's there. They're seeing Jimmy Owens. They're seeing Tyler. Somebody loves it's the Jimmy only Owens. time they get to see these drivers all year. And I think it's a good salute to fans that can't get out there and see races throughout the entire country. And also, the people that complain about it are sitting on their couch. I'm looking at you, Hunter Sayers, during Woo! the Summer Nationals. Woo! Get to the racetrack and support it. You know, I hate these people that are just – you know, changing the channels and stuff like that during the summer. I think the four wide is a big, big thing. Fair points again. You've actually done pretty damn good today on making your points. Right, thank okay? you. Uh, new fans have already been – the new fans, because we started 25 minutes late and they got there during hot laps, are already asleep. So they don't, they're not worried about the four wide. They've already passed out by the time the four wide has come. All right. When the four – when the four wide parade lap was invented, it was only – I remember, like, the first time it happened. I was alive. It was only for the creme de la creme. And like so many other things in American society, it becomes overused, overplayed, and now it is stale. It gets spoiled. For instance, we go to East Bay and Volusia. We see it six nights in a row. Twelve nights in a row we're going to watch this thing? It is absolute nonsense. Now, I will, I will say this, to your point. Kelly Carlton makes a really solid argument for this. You touched on it. Somewhere there's a family whose only big show they will go to the entire year is, let's say, that Lucas Oil race at Smoky Mountain or that Lucas Oil race at Tyler County. And there is a kid who's dreamed, who's dreamed of seeing that moment. And I'll be honest, Kel gets me with that argument. Maybe this family can't afford to go more than one race per year. And Kelly, Kelly has me damn near tearing up thinking about that. That's a very fair point. But it is not enough for me. Even the child's wonder in his eye is not enough. We do the two, four wide too much. Get on with the night. I don't care if it takes two minutes. I don't want to see Jeff Purvis four wide at Fairbury. I want to see Jeff Purvis racing at Fairbury. McCarty, who won the day? I mean, this is an uphill battle for me, but I fought through it. I don't know. I think this is a tough one, though, to, like, really choose. Thank you. Because you have like, to choose honestly There's here. both sides to it that I definitely see. Like, from a work standpoint, let's get the show on the road. But if you're a fan, young fan, 
That four wide salute is a pretty sweet thing. Can I flip a coin? No, you, and I want you to vote with your heart here, not with the fact that that I, you know, I'm I'm a very instrumental and important figure in our industry and dashingly <laughs> handsome and all that. I don't want you to think about that. And that you've known Derek your whole life. Don't think about that either. Yeah, we all think. This, this is tough. I'm I'm in a yo-yo effect here. Uh, I'm actually, actually, I at my age now, like I hate him. <laughs> I'm gonna only go with Rigsby. Oh my god! <laughs> what a what an old hag. I think, so I think <laughs> at my age now, like to, I knew I had him right there. To Rigsby's point, god. like uh, you know, if there is like four nights or six nights, like uh, at East Bay, and they're doing them every night, okay, why don't we just? build the drama up to Saturday or the finale and run it then instead of doing it every single night. If we take the first fans argument, the first time somebody comes to Fairbury for a Falls Cup night, we should be doing the 4Y because what if they never come back? Blah, 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 blah. We can't, we can't only worry about them. But Suave, I got to say, you did pretty good. What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rigsby, your debate winner 2-1, but I got to be honest, Derek did pretty damn good. We will- I thought the... Family can't travel. That was good. That, that was, was good. It was hitting me God. hard. It was. Uh, but sorry. We will be back with Roger Sellers after a quick commercial break to preview Smoky Mountain. Bunch of crock. <laughs> I thought McCarty were going to pull off the upset. Looking for the best race shirts on the planet? Impact Race Gear has you covered. With first-class artwork and state-of-the-art screen printing equipment, we service the entire racing industry from dirt late models, sprint cars, modifieds, to asphalt and drag racing. For shirts your fans and sponsors will love and deserve, be sure to call on Impact Race Gear for your next project. Visit our website at impactracegear.com or call 1-877-743-8337. We make it easy to get the best race shirts on the planet. Established in 1983, FK Rod Ends has been the industry leader for both midget and micro racing. Family owned and operated, we take pride in our products and our name because we know you value yours. Visit our website, www.fkrodends.com, to find out how you can join our winning team. FK Rodends. To beat the best, you've got to use the best. Back in the Flow Racing and DirtOnDirt.com studios, Baum Chevy Buick, by the way, is Central Illinois' number one dealer and has been family-owned and operated since 1928. That's almost 100 years. I will be that old at some point. I'm not saying this either. They're the nicest people in this industry as far as car and truck selling I have ever met. Hit their website now at BaumChevyBuick.com. And Derek, again, you got to buy your next car there because if you do, a lifetime subscription to Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Because if you ever quit, Derek, I'm pulling that subscription. I'm revoking it, and you'll have to pay for it, okay? I mean, if that ever happens, then I'll buy a... You'll buy a $150 yeah. subscription. Um, yeah. Check them out at Baum Chevy Buick. Uh, by the way, March, honestly, uh, and historically, it is hilarious in our sport 
when you just look at the success rate of events completed in March and April, but we're going to focus on March now, uh, it's been pretty dismal over the years with rainouts and weatherouts. So I kind of tasked Todd Turner with this. I said, Todd, do a little research of the last decade of weather-related stuff in our sport. And uh, DMAC, we've got a couple of full screens on this. This is March rainouts in the last 10 years. We didn't count 2020, right? Because obviously with COVID, nobody raced in March, right? It would have been 100%. So 2010 through 2019, 35% of the races were halted by weather, 149 of them. Most scheduled races ever was 57. The most weather halted, we lost 33 uh, so that same year, the most scheduled, we lost 33 of 57. The least scheduled races went 32. And the fewest affected, Derek, I don't remember this. 2016, only seven races were halted by weather. Do you remember that in 2016? I do not, but apparently Mother Nature was very nice and courte- uh, courteous to the promoters and the drivers. That and, year. and I love, so you know, 35% is the kind of number to keep in your mind in the month of March of those that have been halted by weather. I'd love to compare that to If other you're a months. promoter, do you take the gamble? 65% well, chance? Well, we're going to talk to a promoter here in yeah, a second uh, about that exact uh, scenario. There's one more here we've got too. Most successful seasons, as you just saw, 80% of them got in in 2016, 2012, and 2019. Also very successful there. The least successful seasons 2015 Derek I do remember this one 58% of the races scheduled in March in 2015 were washed out the year before that in 2014 a a bad back-to-back stretch in 14 15 luckily 16 bounced back 2011 also a rough season leave that up here for one second and that was that like led into the summer because that was the summer nationals year where he had double-digit rainouts. That was one with, like, Billy which Moyer. Year, which year are you talking about? 2015. Okay. So okay. it was just a wet, wet year. I remember that. that That's now. when, like, Billy Moyer was around and Jason Fager and all them. It was just a very wet spring and summer. So 2015. the rain was, tour. Yeah, it was definitely the rain tour. So, yeah, that was through t- 2010 through 2019. I just, you know, that's a, I'm always into statistics, and I thought, let's look at that. Some years really good for the weather. Some years really bad for the weather. Uh, so we've been talking about bad weather in March. A guy who has bucked that trend and is hoping to bucket again this weekend is the owner of Smoky Mountain Speedway and the owner of Hudson O'Neill's Dirt Late Model Ride and probably the owner of a bunch of other stuff, if I'm being quite honest. He's so successful. He is one of my favorite people in the sport. I say it all the time. One of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Roger Sellers, who will host a $12,000 to win World of Outlaws show this Saturday and joins us now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline. Roger is a promoter. You heard me on the phone uh, mentioning those March statistics, you've got a very popular March race. When you hear those March statistics, what do you think, Roger? Well, it, it pretty well scares me, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you, because it, it, it's pretty well hit or miss here in East Tennessee, you know, and, and occasionally we'll hit a beautiful weekend like coming up this weekend, but uh, sometimes we have snow. You know, so it's hard to say this time of year. You know, I'm actually glad you touched on that because what I don't think the general public understands about March dirt late model racing or any sort of short track racing is that if you hit a good weather day in March uh, in a part of the country, you know, where it's, you know, kind of been nice all year, that Tennessee area or whatever, it can literally make or break a year sometimes. You don't have to use exact numbers for me, Roger, although I'd love it if you did. Uh, But try to explain to folks just how feast or famine these events can be because I think last year was your largest crowd in the history of Smoky Mountain in March or, or right around it. You can either hit big as a promoter or it can go bad, can it? You can uh, you can take a check home or you can write a check on Monday morning. <laughs> and I've done 
I've done both of them. You know, unfortunately, just like you said, you know, our end of the year race, our October race was one of the better races we had all year long. Had a had a two day show, Southern All Stars. Uh, had it on Friday and Saturday, and uh, the weather dropped down to 32 degrees, freezing. And it just, uh, you know, we had a, a packed pit area. Our tier parking area, where you can sit in your car and watch the races, was full, but our grandstands was pretty well empty. Now, one thing I appreciate about you is that you're an equal opportunist when it comes to sanctions. You know, your track, you've got the Outlaws, you've got Lucas Oil, you've got Southern All-Stars, you run a Ray Cook race, you've got the Ironman Bunch, you've got the Crate All-Stars. I'm sure there's something I'm missing, too. I once referred to your track as Smoky Mountain as America's special event race late model track. Why do you have them all, Roger? You don't have to have them all, but I appreciate that you do. Why do you have all of them? Well, I think it gives us a little bit of variety. You know, all the promoters are great. You know, I love Lucas, World Outlaws guys, and Casey and Rick Schwally, all the guys. Uh, but Ray Cook, you know, Matt with the uh, Southern All-Stars, uh, Chris Tilly, good people to work with. And they're going to give it their best effort to try to put on a good show for you, if at all possible. Hey, Roger, it's uh, D. Suave here. Obviously, you're a track hey, owner. <laughs> Obviously, you're a track owner and a car owner. I saw you at Speed Week. So when you go to the track – as a car owner to another track, do you take a look at how they run the operation there and try to incorporate it with you? Or when you see a race team, you could try to incorporate different things there. So when you're at the racetrack, not at Smoky Mountain, what kind of notes are you taking in? Well, I never really tell them what to do, <laughs> but I do pick up a lot. I do pick up a lot. I look, I look around, I pick up equipment, I look at equipment, you know, see what they're doing with the track. Uh, you know, just a general facility altogether, whether it's concessions, whether it's restrooms, whatever it may be. And I try to pick up some from every track I go to, and I have done really well with that. You know, and been successful getting uh, equipment in, you know, just by going to other tracks and, and watching it. And plus, you know, I, I get to meet, most of the time I'll meet, the, you know, either the promoter or the track owner. And I've made a lot of friendships over that, uh, you know, just by doing that. This weekend, we'll probably have a half a dozen promoters here from other tracks. You know, Roger, I got to ask you this question. I've been meaning to call you about it, and we just have not had a chance to talk about it. You know, during a drive home segment that we do on Speed Weeks, I got into a little bit of hot water with the Shannon Buckingham crowd when I was really, I was trying to pay you a compliment. And the quote I had was, I went and played it back. Roger Zellers has to be thrilled. He has this young, hungry, up and coming guy in Hudson O'Neill driving for him now who is really running well out of the gate, and he's young, and the future is so bright. That was my comment in essence. And I didn't mean any disrespect to Shannon Buckingham. I did say I think Hudson is a better driver than Shannon. I, you know, I'm just going to ask you because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Um, were you upset with me for making that comment? Because I got to be honest, the Buckingham crowd, they came after me pretty hard. I thought maybe we could just talk about it and clear the air a little bit. <laughs> Well, you know, to be honest with you, Michael, I'm not one that gets on social media. You know, I know how much damage social media can do, sure. you know, to uh, tracks or, you know, to, to racers or anybody. So I don't really get on and blast anybody on social media. I will say it was a little bit harsh. I think the world of Shannon, uh, of course, you know, Tom Buckingham and his family, the entire family. And, and Shannon's been right there with me. You know, Shannon's one that recommended Hudson. And he's been there with me the whole time he comes to the shop. He helps us out. He he wrapped the cars a lot of times for us, you know, and, and it, it did hurt a little bit. I, I won't say that I got mad at you, but, I, you know, it did hurt me a little bit to hear that. And that's fair. And that's uh, and I hated to bring it up on the air for the first time, but I, I, I know you and I have known each other long enough that we can talk about those things. And I really, 
I think intent matters sometimes. My intent was not to hurt anybody. My intent truly was, I bet Roger's thrilled because Hudson's really good. So I hope you can at least appreciate that. That's what I was going, <laughs> that's what I was going for. Oh, uh, and and I certainly do. And you're right. He is. Uh, I'm really excited about, you know, the future here with Hudson and he's doing me a great job. You know, you know, Rigby, honestly, I thought it was probably because Shannon said that, what was it? 10, 12 years ago when you started there on dirt. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said it would never make it. And I thought it might've been a jab back. <laughs> just kidding. I, I'm just teasing on that. Well, you're, you're uh, Buckingham did tease me that it would never make it. Him and I have talked about that many times since it was not in regards to that, but you know, I think a lot of people want you to be candid and say what you think, but when you say sometimes what you think, people get upset. So it's a good lesson, right? It's a good lesson to be learned. You know, we, we say all that. You've got this partnership with Hudson O'Neill now where he's your driver. This thing looks to be off to a great start. How excited are you, Roger, about how things are going with Hudson? Well, you're right in saying I'm excited. I really am. I mean, the kid, you know, I was around him a lot, and his dad also. Never met his granddad, but he said his granddad raced also. But I've been around him quite a bit, you know, watched him grow up from the time he was probably 14, 15 years old, at least on it, you know, and he's always impressed me. So, you know, when we got together and uh, went to speed weeks, you know, he asked me, he said, uh, what's your expectations? And I said, I'd like to come out of speed weeks in the top 10, you know? And uh, he said, I think we can do better, but he said, uh, let's see what turns out. You know, so I was extremely impressed when we came out there, uh, number uh, one overall ranked as far as best average finishes, but also, you know, number two in the Lucas Oil points, you know, so it was, uh, it was good, you know, and to see him do that good at Ocala, uh, you know, pretty much all tech, uh, East Bay, then go over to Volusia, you know, because Volusia could be a really tough track and to finish, you know, second and third over there, you know, the two nights that we did run, it was impressive to me. You know, Roger, you sold your business, uh, I guess, a couple years ago now, last year. I- I'm losing track of time. Two years ago? When did you sell it, Roger? I- I'm losing track of time now. I cl- sold it in uh, December of 18. 18. It's been three years now. Okay. Um, without question, and I don't think I'm overstepping when I say this, you're living a great life, right? Your business was very successful. You did quite well. So why do you keep doing all this? Why do you keep lugging around to these dirt tracks? You could be on a boat. You could be on an island. Why does Roger Sellers keep doing this? Well, you know, that, that's just not me, Michael, to be honest with you. I mean, I enjoy what I do. You know, I enjoy the racing part of it. You know, we, we have a drag racing team also, and we've been really successful with it. I think it's the, the, the thrill of victory, you know, and, and, uh, and trying to do the best you can at anything you're involved with, really. And that's fair, and I appreciate that answer. Swab, I know you got one more, too. Roger, obviously, I mentioned earlier, track owner, car owner. Where do you see the state of late model racing in five years? I know it's it's maybe not on your radar, but it's something to look at considering what you do for the sport. You know, you're right, Swab, and I do think about it a lot. You know, I mean, I think about it immediately. I mean, because of the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the virus itself, the pandemic, a lot of people said, you know, it really hadn't affected uh, us a lot, you know, on it. But uh, I always related to it being like a chain coiled up and a person's on each end pulling it, you know, and, and eventually the slack's going to be out of that chain. And I'm seeing some of that, you know, in the, the, R, the RV industry that I was in prior, uh, you know, in motorsports even, you know, I mean, now it's it's tough to get a set of pistons, set of valves, anything, you know, and there's, there's got to be repercussions, you know, in the future here if things don't get back to normal pretty quickly. But I think it can affect us in the long term if, if we don't get things going. But I do kind of am concerned, you know, I guess, uh, 
you know, what the future does hold for it, you know, because I do see the younger, uh, you know, the younger generation not really caring that much for it. You know, we try to have a lot of activities for the younger generation at, at Smoky Mountain, but it's, uh, I see less and less of them every time I open the gates, to be honest with you. Let's circle back to the world of outlaws. Last couple things, Roger, this weekend. When you look at the world of outlaws right now, coming out of speed weeks, and I guess I'm asking you to be an analyst a little bit here, what do you see when you look at the outlaws? You're about to have a, a big crowd, big car count. By the way, we can talk about that. Over 50 cars this weekend, I think. Um, what do you see when you look at the outlaws right now coming in? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be really good this weekend for us. Like you say, I think 53 or 54 cars already committed to coming into it. I mean, I think there's still growing and, and uh, headed in the right direction. By the way, is that the largest car count in Smoky recent history? Maybe not ever, but it's got to be up there, right? I'm thinking 52 was my largest count ever. The wow. best I remember. And just, uh, you, uh, you, you got enough tickets to print this weekend, Roger? Do you need help with selling tickets? I think you might need to print some more this weekend, I think. I kind of thought you might be here helping me count money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somebody's got to watch Swab, Roger. Somebody's got to stay back and keep an eye on him. Uh, last thing. You're, swab. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll send him. He's actually Perfect. looking for an excuse to get out of the house. You're a promoter. Um, give folks give folks another chance. Kind of talk to him here. Why should they come to Smoky Mountain this weekend? Give, give another chance. Talk as a promoter to the race fans out there. Well, I mean, like I say, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. It's going to be a little bit on the cool side, but it's going to be 52, 54 degrees, something like that on Saturday. You know, we've got the race starting a little earlier, uh, you know, starting at 4 o'clock. So uh, the driver's meeting is at 4, and you know, we'll have hot laps directly thereafter. I've got uh, tier parking. I've got camping. And the tier parking, you can actually pull up to the – to the backstretch and watch the races from your car. You can bring a cooler, bring your food, you know, bring your beverages, whatever you want to with you. It makes it pretty neat. Uh, there's a lot of things going on inside the track too. You know, I've got uh, good concessions. I've got uh, a lot of good souvenirs. We've got a lot of people coming in this weekend uh, with souvenir trailers, you know, so it's, uh, it's definitely something you don't want to miss. You want to come to it. It's going to be great. It's nothing like seeing, smelling, the, you know, and, and hearing all the action going on. Derek, a lot of times when I ask promoters to tell people why to come this weekend, they don't really nail it. Roger, really. McCarty, did you listen to that? I'm ready to go. Let's go. You want to do a road trip to Smokey this weekend? Let's go. Comp cans got switched to next weekend. I'm off. That's Let's what go. I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. What do we think? East Tennessee You boys? driving? I'll drive. Let's even. go. <laughs> All right. Roger, <laughs> thank you so much. The biggest show in the country this weekend is in Maryville, Tennessee. $12,000 to win World of Outlaw Race. Your field looks incredible. Roger, please tell Casey and Dustin and everybody down there good luck. And tell Buckingham not to hate me too much, okay? <laughs> oh, I'll tell him. And I couldn't do it without Casey and Dustin. They're definitely my uh, go-to, for yeah. no doubt about it. But I'll certainly tell Shannon, and, and you guys take care. Appreciate you calling. All right, thanks, Roger. Be good this weekend, okay? All right, thank you. We're going to take another quick commercial break, and we'll be back with the Kevin Kovac Memorial Notes section. And I got some more thoughts on this Buckingham thing, Suave. I just, you know, clear the air a little bit. Everybody just needs to calm down. <laughs> People just can't say the truth. Uh, we'll be back Racing. after this. Racing's not a sport. Racing is a lifestyle. It's all night in the shop. And long days on the road. You always push a little harder and you refuse to lose. Protect yourself. Protect your passion. Pit Stop USA. Live like legends.
If you want to be remembered, you got to do more than just win. You got to get them out of their seats. You got to give them the slide job, cushion pounding, no holds barred racing they paid to see. This is dirt track. That means pushing it to the edge and laying it all on the line. Yeah, you might wreck. We'll help you get back out there so they can watch you try it again and again. See, Dirt Track is a sport of the people, and only they decide if you're to be remembered. It's your job to take risks and make sure you're memorable. Pit Stop USA. Live like legends. Yeah, DJ D-Mac bringing it again. Look at him. He has his like, little DJ really spinning over like there. Yeah. Palms are sweaty. When Derek and I were poking around the March rainout percentage numbers earlier in the week, uh, Derek actually had a good thought. He goes, who has the most March wins, you think? I was like, that's actually a great question. Uh, I don't know. Todd Turner, the Todd father, uh, cooked that statistic up for us as well. Throw that up, Dustin. Uh, it is, I believe, yeah, there it is. Jonathan Davin, no surprise, right, Derek? Davenport, Madden, McDowell, three Southeastern guys who are going to be able to race more, uh, have the, the first, second, and third spots, but 13, 12, and 10. I think the tied for third, though, is the shocker of all shockers, Don Shaw from Ham Lake, Minnesota. They can't be racing up there third, in Minnesota. Well, no, all, all 10 of those victories in Arizona in the he last loves Arizona. 2011 through 2020. All of all of those. So Dennis Herb, of course, on the list. Mark Whitener, Derek. Got to be some Florida wins in there. Bronson, Casey Roberts, and Randy Weaver, a name that you might not have expected. Anything jump out at that list to you? I'm guessing like over half of Dennis Herb Juniors are probably toilet bowl wins. It <laughs> could be. Yeah, I mean, I'm being and when it's a two-day toilet bowl show now too, right? He's got even more chances yeah. to win. No surprise there, right? Matt uh, Davenport, Madden, and McDowell. They're winning Cherokee and Smoky Mountain and all those races, probably. Derek, I would guess. Well, Dennis Herb Jr. Three of the seven have been toilet bowls. There Just you go. Up, so you got a statistics right in front of you. But we'll we'll do more of this too, right? Kind of dig up interesting statistics. This is from 2011 through 2020. Uh, in five or more based on the DOD master special event schedule based only on that. Uh, you know how we always end the show with the Kevin Kovac notes. memorial notes section. I wanted to try something different this week, and I think I'm going to do it every week and actually have Kevin on live for the Kevin Kovac memorial notes section. Maybe we'll do it every week. Maybe we won't. We'll see how he does, Suave. We'll see if he can handle the heat. He's right? a great on-air talent. Well, well he's about the, the writers are starting a podcast, which well, is Well, they don't do anything during the week. That is true. They don't do anything during the week at all. So that's great. That is good to hear. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to let you empty the notebook live on air, and I've got some few notes as well. Kevin Kovac, everybody, uh, give us a few notes and nuggets, Kevin. Well, I'm still just shaking my head. I think that was McCarty in the background talking about, about with the writers during the week. <laughs> Oh, that was me. That was actually that, that was, was actually your your nephew Derek. Is oh, was that Kovac. Derek? Was that I Derek? would never disrespect oh. you like that. 
Oh, my gosh. That's right. <laughs> McCarty wouldn't do that. But, well, hey, you just mentioned one guy's name there, Don Shaw. Uh, he, he was like the most interesting uh, character, I guess, in the dirt late model world over the last week, I'd say, because of what he pulled off. He, uh, he, he Remember, he didn't – He's a, every year he goes to the Wild West shootout in Arizona. He has a place out in Arizona. He keeps his car out there uh, during the winter months. And this year he was missing there because he came down with COVID, he said, uh, during the, the holidays time. And, and, uh, and so he had no racing in, through all January. He's looking for somewhere to race in February. He looked all over the place. And he found a, uh, a crate motor to put in one of his old cars that he has up in Minnesota, drove all the way down to the southeast, ran at Fort Payne last weekend. And then there was a few uh, crate races at Fayetteville in North Carolina uh, from like uh, the midweek into the weekend, and he ran two of them. He wanted to hang out with his uh, old friend there, Cody Overton, and and see some and just get some racing in. But the thing was so crazy. After Friday rained out, he started heading home. Had his daughter with him also to to drive back to Minnesota. They got to Indiana, Indianapolis, and she, he negotiated to have her drive his daughter drive their coach all the way back to Minnesota so she could drop him off at the airport. He could fly to Arizona, drive his new capital race car, and then he won S- the SDWDRA race on Saturday at uh, Arizona Speedway, which is a pretty neat deal. I think uh, you probably noticed that. If you saw his name in the, in the finishes at, uh, at Fayetteville, you're like, what was Don Shaw yeah, doing? Yeah, I was Carolina? wondering. I was wondering. I was, yes. It, it was crazy, and then, uh, but there was a good story. Not many guys go from one side of the country to the other side in, uh, in a couple of days and in a winter race. So that, that was pretty neat. Uh, and I think coming up this weekend, the Smoky Mountain uh, uh, World of Outlaws races on Saturday. They get back to it after since first time since Volusia. And one of the guys who's come close to winning there several times in, in an outlaw race and in other races is Ricky Weiss. And, uh, you know, he has that new sniper car that he's been running this year. And he tried it out in speed weeks. And he had already crashed it twice. He crashed it back in the rear end and had to get a new rear clip put on his new car back in January at Volusia. And then in the last night at Volusia last month, he crashed it and had to put a new front clip on it. So when he goes back to Smoky Mountain this Saturday, he said he's going to be running the one, the Bloomquist car he ran last year. And he's with, with some of his, uh, his and J.R. Haley's uh, ideas on it. He's going to run that and then uh, take a little more test time as he gets the sniper car repaired and, and uh, test that a little bit before he brings that back out. What else, Kevin? Uh, what? Two, yeah, notes, master. <laughs> I got one. I got another thing here too. I wanted to talk about it. I mentioned this in my ten things too, and I, I just thought it was something that uh, looking at the Bristol races coming up, uh, the Dirt Nationals, and then the Outlaw races coming up next month. Uh, I looked at like the entry lists, entry lists for for each of them, the perspective entries, and and I thought it really pointed out like how much this sport just kind of turns over in 20 years, two decades. And, you know, the last races at Bristol were back in 2000 and 2001. I kind of wanted to see who, who are the guys that raced in those races, which had 189 cars, the first uh, in 2000, and then they had 89 and 76 in the two prelim nights the second year. So that's a lot of guys. And I only found a handful, I mean, maybe a dozen guys that are running that ran those races and are entered for these races this year. And only five of them were ran the features. Scott Bloomquist, Billy Moyer, Rick Eckert, Chris Madden, and Dennis Herb Jr. were the only guys that ran a feature back in those years that is expected to be competing in, in, in this year's uh, races at Bristol. 
or, or perhaps Earl Pearson Jr. might run also. If he did, that would be six. And there was only seven uh, non-qualifiers back in those days that are going to run, that are on this year's entry list. And you know, guys like Dwayne Aldridge, Stacey Bowles, Bob Gordon, Jason Hyatt, Frank Ingram, David Payne, and David Smith. I mean, that's it. That kind of really shows you how, how quick things turn over, I guess. Well, I guess it should, though, right? I mean, it's been 20 years when you think about it. You know, it's pretty rare like in any other sport. Yeah, you besides say, LeBron James. Yeah, 20 years later. Man, I can't believe the 15 guys aren't, aren't doing this. So, uh, Kevin, those are excellent notes, and I would like to have you on live every time. Is that possible? <laughs> oh, I guess so. Whenever I like to always like to enjoy a being on with you guys, so I, I, I could do it. Let's talk real Go ahead, Swab, because I got a point, too. Okay, you go first. Mine's well, like, I was going to say, really Kevin, uh, you guys, the writers are starting a podcast, Dirt Reporters, you, Robert, Joshua, and Todd, which I'm very excited about. Uh, how? Why should I listen to this new Dirt Reporters podcast, Kevin? Sell me on it. I know. Hopefully, we can bring some good uh, behind-the-scenes things to it. I, I know Joshua's kind of spearheading the deal. He's, he's a little experienced with that. He, he's done that kind of stuff before, he said. And, and uh, yeah, everybody liked him during his race uh, uh, race day appearances. And, his and, you know, last week he was on with you guys. Uh, so I know that he can do a good job. And, and we're, we'll just try to bring, like, more of the, I guess, behind-the-scenes uh, writer's uh, perspective, I guess, and and hopefully not complain too much or anything. But, uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> I want it to be we'll, all, uh, all complaining, just complaining, complaining, complaining. Because <laughs> yeah, we could do that very well. Kovac, all I have to ask for this podcast, it cannot be boring like the Sunday show sports reporters on ESPN <laughs> growing up. That show was absolutely horrible. You got to put some action into it a little bit. That's all I ask from you. And I know you got great uh, voice work. I know you got great voice Maybe work. I want to be Mitch Album. I want to be my man Mitch yeah. Album from the Free Press, you oh, know that's that's my that's my team's there. I, I used to read it. I used to read his stuff back way long time ago when I first started racing. I'm like, man, Mitch Album. I oh, I got that, that's that's my guy in Detroit, you know. So, um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not I'm not going to be Mike Lupica though. I don't know about him. <laughs> I am. So, a, you do have, so, but I think it should be fun. You do have great voice work though. After that, Mark Richards Blue Holler thing. Oh right? yeah, I did love. So that. I'm not too worried about that with, <laughs> with your performance. Uh, Kevin, hey, hey, can I mention one more thing before sure, we go? Sure. I mean, I, I just wanted to do it. Like, I'm not. Sure, I don't know if you guys have mentioned it, but we got a congratulations in order for former Dirt on Dirt staff writer Allie Collins. Yes, Allie. Right, getting married and engaged uh, last weekend to her longtime boyfriend Josh Davis, who uh, was a longtime crew guy for uh, Mike Marler. So, uh, you know, again, congratulations. Uh, one of our former staffers is uh, is kind of not. In, and I've already confirmed with her. I even mentioned this already, I think. And, and she tweeted something out about it, that she will not be getting married. Uh, the date her met we our wedding will not be the Butterball Memorial at Richmond, the North South 100, <laughs> or any of the crown jewels at, uh, at Eldora. I mean, those, those dates are definitely out. None, nothing, nothing those days she's going to be a – you can expect that her, she will be at the racetracks those days. Uh, Kevin, the, well, the bringer of knowledge, as always. Thank God the Butterball. <laughs> Yeah, we can't race on top of the Butterball. I can't get married on top of the Butterball. Kevin, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Looking forward to the new podcast, okay? Okay, we'll look forward to it, too. All, All right, right, thanks a lot. Uh, one final note that I've got, Derek, I wanted to bring up. Uh, Bernice Baltus passed away last week, the queen of Eldora, the first lady of Eldora. I know it's just a gorgeous picture of her and Earl here that I absolutely love. Uh, my my Rigsby Report podcast that's either coming out tomorrow. I might wait until Monday uh, with Kenny Wallace, by the way. I have a great story that I tell about Bernice 
Um, I just wanted to mention Bernice Baltus, Derek. I know in your travels at Eldora, you absolutely crossed her path at some time. She truly was. Earl gets most of the credit. She deserves, at the very least, half the credit. Well, she has to deal. She had to deal with Earl's crap throughout <laughs> all those years. Uh, bless both their souls. But yeah, one of the nicest ladies. Obviously, I got to meet her personally growing up a little bit, seeing her at the concession stand, but really got to talk to her and Earl when I first started at Dirt on Dirt in the press box. Nothing but nice people. It's uh, very sad to see that uh, both the founders of Eldora Speedway have passed and life goes on, but you can give credit to Tony and all them how much they've continued that legacy. They've always incorporated the Baltuses. I love it. I love the check. Will you, will you wear Der, Derek during Castrol Floor Racing Night in America? Will you wear checkered flag earrings like I might. is rocking here? I'll rock. wear my hat flipped up if you wear the checkered flag earrings. Perfect. Uh, we will definitely miss Bernice. I mentioned Castrol's Flow Racing Night in America. Some of you may have seen last week we upped the ante for the opener. Castrol said, hey, can you please make this opener big? We want it to be big. We threw them some ideas. They hit with this. Take a look at the full schedule for the entire season. That Money's. opener, Derek, at 411 is now $20,000 to win. We are exactly three weeks away from that right now, just 21 days from the Castrol Flow Racing Night in America opener. Now two $20,000 to win races, a $15,000 to win race at Fairbury. And who knows? Castrol has been an amazing partner so far. Um, you may see some more purse jumps on this list, Derek. I think we're probably going to stay steady, but uh, this is pretty cool 10-race miniseries we've got put well, together. Well, you never know if uh, Flow Racing Night in America, crazy things can happen. It's just one we, of those. It's one I of mean, those Tuesdays. Hell, we might have through. Moyer's uncle come in again. Carl say he's going to pay 50 grand to win. You never know. That is, that is true. So keep your eyes uh, locked on that schedule, and uh, we appreciate it. For Derek Kessinger, thank you very much for everything again today. Roger Sellers, it was awesome having him on the air. DMAC. By the way, we worked DMAC into the show a little more today. Well, that's the only reason he picked you to win the debate. You, you, think, that's, you think that's why? Yeah. Money uh, under Todd the Turner, thank you for the stats. Uh, I believe we'll be back next week. My Rigsby report with Kenny Wallace was a fantastic interview. That's dropping very soon as well. Uh, tons more content coming in March, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks.